Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. I'm joined by Jeff Olson, and we are broadcasting again from beautiful Lago Vista, Texas, where today, July 8th, is when we're recording. Uh, it is a very comfortable 40 degrees uh, in our beautiful city. Jeff's looking at me askance and unbelieving. His eyes are bulging. Uh, but Jeff, it's, it's true. Uh, it is 40 degrees today, Celsius. You probably already had deduced that. Yes, that's right. Oh, yes, the C. I thought you were talking about bulging eyeballs. Uh, just give us a minute while we work this thing out between us. Uh, so, yeah, it is 104 degrees today. Uh, thank God for air conditioning and uh, the comfort of being on the inside. Uh, I don't mind paying a little more for my electricity during these days, uh, as long as it doesn't get into quadruple digits on my bill. Uh, so today, I'm going to introduce maybe a couple of terms and ideas to you. Uh, our goal here on the Pinocchio Project is to examine ideas that come at us every day and promise a life worth living or human flourishing and vet those ideas through a biblical worldview, a biblical lens that we're continuing to construct over and over again. And I will refresh the grid, the set of lenses today. But today I'm going to introduce a couple of uh, propositions, ideas from logic, if you will. You know, logic is something that is important in life. Uh, I look at a set of circumstances and I see with my logic lens whether or not what they are promising in sequence actually makes sense. Uh, it seems to be lost a bit as we begin to lean more and more on our interior. We look inwardly for emotional identity and less outwardly and even less upwardly for God's transcendent understanding of identity and logic. So the first term I want to introduce today, and this is how I've titled this episode, uh, the title today is The Simplicity of Syllogism. The Simplicity of Syllogism. Now raise your hand out there in podcast land if you immediately can call to mind what a syllogism is. How many did we have? Two? Jeff says zero. Uh, but by the end of this podcast, we'll have at least two. So let me describe to you a syllogism. And we are going to look at some examples, in particular syllogisms as they relate to our current ideological war regarding abortion that has heated up significantly since our June 24th decision uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. My next podcast, uh, the one that will come out uh, following this one, will talk about uh, what it means to rely on uh, the political world or the judicial world to set our moral landscape. But today we're talking about syllogism, and I'll introduce it to you. A syllogism is a deductive argument. A deductive argument, ladies and gentlemen, is one that assumes that I am going to receive reasonable propositions that will bring me to a logical conclusion. 
So a syllogism is a deductive argument that's formed by uh, three components. The first component is a major and uh, foundational proposition, and then a minor proposition that sits on the foundation of the major proposition. And you put those two together, the major proposition and the minor proposition, and that results in the third component, which is a conclusion based on the major and minor propositions. So a major proposition resting on a minor proposition, and then the equal sign or the therefore conclusion uh, that you draw from the two propositions. So syllogism is a deductive argument formed by a major proposition upon which a minor proposition rests, resulting in a conclusion derived from the two propositions. Now, the second thing I want to introduce to you today is the term first principles. It's not that complex, but we don't really use these terms a lot, but they really help in uh, worldview analysis and vetting ideas. So first principles is a problem-solving technique that requires that you break down a complex problem into its most basic foundational elements. The main idea is to ground yourself in the foundational truths that are always the headwaters. There's no starting point before them. They are the foundational truths that will not change. And you build from there as you discover how to solve complex problems. So a first principle is literally the cornerstone or the foundation stone of an unchangeable truth that you must strain back to as you're solving a complex problem. So what I want to do for the rest of our time, and I don't think it's going to take that long, uh, but you never know. What I want to do from here is I want to combine a syllogism and make it a syllogism of first principles. I want to propose a syllogism of first principles from a biblical worldview regarding abortion. A syllogism of first principles from a biblical worldview regarding abortion. Now, a quick review of a biblical worldview. The first movement in God's grand story, that's the Bible, the integrated whole, the collective narrative that defines reality from beginning to end, from eternity past to eternity future. The first movement in God's grand story, we know from our previous episodes and our refreshment, is the creation narrative. That is the first movement, and that is literally the first principle of what it means to understand God, his work in the world, and my place in the world, and my place in his work. Because the first principles of creation answer the most important question we could ever ask, and that is, what does it mean to be human? So the creation narrative is literally the first principles of understanding God, his work in the world, his design and purpose for me, and my place in God's world and my work in God's world. So here's a syllogism of first principles from a biblical worldview regarding the abortion problem. Here's the major proposition. This is the foundation of this syllogism. It's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. That is our foundation from a biblical worldview perspective because we know from the creation account that God has made every human being from the spark of conception to natural death 
that is God's creation in his image, in his likeness, whether male or female. So therefore, we see this all over the text. It's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent image bearer of God. It's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. That's the major proposition of this syllogism. I'm going to give you a second there. Do you agree with that proposition? Can you lay that as a foundation of first principles? Is there any more priority of a first principle than the right to live? Major proposition as we begin. It's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. And now the minor proposition as it relates to abortion that rests on this major proposition. Abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. So on the foundation of it being wrong to intentionally kill a human being is the action of abortion in our minor proposition. Abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. So as we get to the therefore or the conclusion, it's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being and abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. Therefore, simply in conclusion of first principle, Abortion is wrong because it is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. Now, I've been saying the same thing over and over and over again. And I wanted to do that on purpose by design. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it's so easy to get caught up in the sub-syllogisms that aren't first principles about abortion. But here is why this is a first principle syllogism about what it means to be human. It's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being, and abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. Therefore, abortion is wrong. And this is complete as a first principle because it includes every human being in its propositions and its conclusion. There are three human beings considered in this argument. Mother, father, and baby. These are the image bearers all represented in this syllogism. I'm going to pause right here and look over at Jeff. Jeff, is that clear? Does that make sense enough for us to begin to get our arms around? So this is a syllogism of first principles. He's nodding in an affirmation. And he doesn't get paid for this, so it's not like anything's at stake. He just gets rewards in heaven. Uh, so I just want to make clear because this is a term that we haven't used and it's it's a it's a construct that we haven't used syllogism and first principles it's complete because all three human beings in the argument are represented mother father and baby and i'm going to say it one more time before i move on a biblical worldview answers the question what does it mean to be human as a first principle that all human beings are created in the image of God and therefore must be protected. It's wrong to kill an innocent human being intentionally. Abortion is the killing of an innocent human being intentionally. Therefore, abortion is wrong. I'm going to comment just for a second on some of the histrionic responses to 50 years of infanticide in the womb being overturned from a legal perspective. 
Uh, I was a pastor of a church for a long time, and nothing nothing shakes me up more than seeing people that sat under my teaching and my training and served in our ministry and experienced transformational life change. Nothing shakes me up more, especially in this season of major intensity, than to see people who claim the name of Christ being confused by the histrionic misinformation and disinformation that is now being propagated and exploding around our cultural landscape regarding a woman's absolute right to an abortion. And while we have to be concerned with all image bearers, especially an unplanned pregnancy in this case, in this conversation, they are downstream syllogisms and not first principles regarding the abortion question. A biblical Christian operating from a biblical worldview answering the question, what does it mean to be human, has to come to the conclusion that abortion is wrong. There's no other conclusion to reach. And immediately, you can call to mind these exceptions. Well, what about the child of rape? What about incest? What about someone who is, is raped and is, is 10 years old and has to cross state lines? What about the inconvenience factor? All those need to be considered as we care for image bearers caught in a bad situation. But those are literally less than 1% of all the abortions that have been perpetrated under the protected banner of the Roe v. Wade decision. The huge, vast majority have been for the convenience of me exercising my quote-unquote bodily autonomy and my worship of the sex god and the necessary child sacrifice necessary to appease the sex god so that I may live as I please. And actually, I love Mother Teresa here as she goes back to first principles. Uh, she said this at the National Prayer Breakfast, and as you can imagine, it uh, kind of shook the room up as uh, hundreds of policymakers who were staunchly defending their, uh, their, their position and their office and trying to play the game of compromise sat under Mother Teresa's statement here. Mother Teresa said this, It is a poverty that a child must die so that you can continue to live as you wish. So, that's a syllogism on abortion of first principles from a biblical worldview perspective. Now, if you claim the name of Christ, then this worldview has to be embraced. Downstream are all kind of maybe complex considerations. So what I want to do now is I want to uh, capture uh, an idea of, of syllogism and first principles from what I would call a secular worldview uh, or from the cultural air you breathe. If you remember from our previous podcast, we described a secular worldview. And let me just go through a secular worldview as it asks and answers these four basic uh, lens constructions or filters or uh, aspects of what makes life worth living or how human flourishing happens. So in a biblical worldview, the four questions answered are, where did I come from? How did I get here? Do I have purpose? Do I have design? And that's answered in the, uh, the creation account. Uh, the second question that all image bearers ask is, what in the bleep, 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 bleep is wrong with this place? What is wrong here? And from a biblical perspective, that is the fall. That is the fact that I am what's wrong with this place. I am now an image bearer where the image of God in me has not been erased, but it has been defaced by my sin. I prove I'm a sinner by sinning. 
So that's the problem. The, the remedy question, that's the third question in a worldview construct. Every image bearer asks and answers is what can be done to fix what's wrong? And the biblical uh, worldview exclaims in a loud voice, redemption, salvation. That's the salvation question. What can be, what can be done to fix what's wrong? That's what can, I, what can I do to be saved? How can we be saved? Has been answered in the biblical account with a resounding Jesus Christ the Son of God, the sacrifice for sin for all mankind. And then the fourth question is a destinations question. Uh, where is all this going? Is there a completion? Is there a telos? Is there a wrapping up? Is there a next season that we're preparing for? And if there is, what, what's my part in preparing for this next season? From a biblical perspective, uh, that answer to the destinations question is known as restoration. God is now, in this season, using me as an agent of restoration, and then ultimately, as we see in Revelation 21-22, he will restore all things and bring down the new heavens and the new earth, uh, like a bridegroom being prepared for her bride. Lovely imagery there. So that is a biblical construct of worldview, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. The water that you drink ideologically, the air that you breathe daily, that ideas coming at you from every source, your news source, your social media feed, the academy, the schools, the universities, uh, the entertainment centers, they are not asking and answering these questions from a biblical perspective, but from what's known as a secular perspective. A secular perspective begins with the understanding that there is no God. There cannot be a God. We can't allow a transcendent one, a divine one, into the conversation. Human beings in their highly evolved state are the the epicenter of all reasoning, logic, and problem solving. Uh, and we'll talk in the, pot, the next podcast a little bit about what it means to have uh, mere human beings in that seat. But the secular worldview asks and answers the, the first question of origins, or uh, how did I get here? Uh, is there a design and purpose? With a exclamation point of, you're an accident. You have not been designed. There is no divine mind behind your identity as a human. You are not made in anything's image except for the image of random chance over time. And so therefore, immediately from the foundation, first principles, to be a human being is to be a purposeless, random collection of chemical firings that somehow have given you the idea that you're conscious and alive in the world. The second question of what's wrong with this world is, anything that suggests that there is a transcendent because we need to kick God out ultimately. So there, well, I think the ultimate outcome of kicking God out is that there's no accountability, uh, that I can do what I want. I'm autonomous. The third question, what can we do to be saved or what can we do to fix what's wrong with the world is all our problems will be solved by the state, by the government, by the policymakers, by the Kings or by the presidents or the governors Salvation is in the state. And so therefore, we cede more and more control and power to the state, which promises as it collects more and more power to take care of us. And then finally, the destinations question uh, is a problem because uh, it's just as soon as my physical processes cease, 
lights out. So in the abortion conversation, here's the syllogism of first principles from the cultural air you breathe, the secular water you drink every day from the fire hose of all of your news resources and even from inside of you, you're being conditioned. You may claim the name of Christ Christian, but I've become aware that a lot of us are secular thinking Christians. If those things even go together, So, a syllogism of first principles from a secular humanist perspective. Major proposition, the foundation stone. It's wrong to intentionally restrict my right to bodily autonomy, to do what I want with what I am and who I am. It's wrong to intentionally restrict my right to bodily autonomy. Upon that foundation sits this minor proposition Therefore, outlawing abortion restricts my right to bodily autonomy. The conclusion, abortion should not be outlawed. It's wrong to intentionally restrict my right to bodily autonomy. That is the cry of our age. That's our major proposition. That is the secular air you breathe. The minor proposition sitting on it. Outlawing abortion restricts my right to bodily autonomy. Therefore, Abortion should not be outlawed. I'd like to argue that this is a flawed, inconsistent syllogism of first principles, mainly because of the first principles necessity, because it's incomplete. There are only two components being considered here. There are only two players being considered in this argument, and that is the mother who, as Mother Teresa said, uh, is in the poverty of having a child killed She's at war with herself. Mom is at war with her child so that she may continue to live with bodily autonomy. And the other player considered is the father who may or may not be present or may or may not have any interest in this exercise of bodily autonomy. But the child is nowhere to be seen or heard. The voiceless remains without a vote. The voiceless remains without consideration. So I think as we prepare to wrap up, you may be a secular Christian, if such a thing even exists, if you are creating arguments against Roe v. Wade being overturned based on anything that has to do with protecting a singular player's right to bodily autonomy, and that would be uh, now inconsiderate of dismissing, of disqualifying, of any consideration of the child in the womb. I know that sounds like black and white and we don't like black and white. This is the, this is the basic foundational fact of a biblical worldview that image bearers from the spark of conception to the last natural breath must be protected. Anything else is strictly outside of God's plan, outside the guardrails of his moral reality And it is the anti-flourishing. If we could ask the 60 million plus that have been, I'm going to just use the word, murdered since Roe v. Wade, they would agree that they've been done an egregious injustice. And that is an understatement. So uh, in the words of Jeff Foxworthy, you may be a secular Christian if you're having trouble not affirming that Roe v. Wade needed to be overturned and we got work to do at the state level now to protect these kids. 
you may be a secular Christian and prove that the air you breathe is corrupting your Christian ideas and understanding if you are in support of a continued protection under the banner of bodily autonomy of women and dads murdering their children. Mothers at war with their own body. So I hope this has been helpful to you. A couple of terms introduced, syllogism and first principles. I'm going to remind you of the uh, biblical worldview, and this is what you can use and strain back to. You always have to strain back to first principles because you start to get distracted by sub-arguments. There's some complex things we need to consider, but they do not violate our necessary moral obligation to strain back to these first principles. And here's a syllogism. It's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. The proposition that sits on it, abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. Therefore, in three words, abortion is wrong. For the Pinocchio Project, this is Mitch Friedman signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening. And remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences. <laughs>